There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new bubbly bursts. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Bowen. And we want to introduce you to the new cantina menu at Taco Bell. Ooh! It's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients. Great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself. The slow-roasted chicken, Mm. pico de gallo, purple cabbage, and new avocado verde salsa sauce. Okay! With new menu options like cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla, there's something for everyone. With this new cantina chicken menu, the possibilities are endless. Try the new cantina Tina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, add images, graphics, charts, and data visualizations from the massive media library. It's easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. Canva presentations are perfect for any deck you want to design for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can nail their presentation with Canva presentations. Perfect, record, and share a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. You'll appear in a video as a talking head on the slide, and it's the perfect solution if you can't be present in person or if time zones are tricky. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Las Culturistas is brought to you by the Forever Dog Podcast Network. Find us and other great podcasts at www.foreverdogpodcasts.com. If you're loving what you're hearing, subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please write us a terrific review and give us a five-star rating. Oh, and Culturistas, don't forget to follow our brand new Twitter, at Las Culturistas. And the Facebook. Well, if you're not already following Facebook, I don't know what to do with you. Very good point. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. Talking about hey now, hey now, hey now. Aiko, Ande, Giacomo Fino, Anane. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. Okay, we've been little readers. Okay, we've been little readers. Matt and I are in a little book club, but we sort of fell into this very organically. Absolutely. I mean, well, to be, you influenced me. Okay, so I woke up this morning at 7 Mm -hmm. a.m. And I even stayed up until midnight. Why 7 a.m.? Just because you. Oh, I, I just went to, I had an early night. Okay. Um, But I even stayed up till midnight to refresh my Kindle to see if, Hillary Rodham Clinton's Rodham Rodham Clinton's new book What Happened or as what Matt likes happened to call was. it Matt likes to call it What Had Happened Was everyone's posting this Fred Willard thing like What Happened from 
the Mighty Wind. <laughs> sure. Um, so, uh, oh, our, um, our, our Mighty Wind fans out there? All our Christopher Guest fans. I just read that first thing in the morning and really, like, spent my, all my extra time. I was, like, supposed to get some writing done, but all, I spent all my time just reading it. And I was like, God, this is a really fucking good book. Yeah. I went to the Barnes & Noble, and honestly, there wasn't the frenzy that I thought there would be. Right. Like, I really thought there was going to be, like, a whole table of, of, like, only what happened books. Like, I thought this was this no. huge moment. But Whatever. I had to look for the book. Yikes. Right? This is, like, a big moment. Anyway, guys. I'm enjoying. I, I'm enjoying. It's it's real juicy. And she's getting real. She has a whole fucking paragraph sentence that says, I'd have been a damn good president. And I was like, Yeah. Yes. And um, she drops Anne Lamott, Mary Oliver, Les Mis references within the first like forty pages of the of the book. And I what wanna, more do you want? I want to say something as a segue. Okay. I was reading two books today, actually. Okay, and, and is this about okay, our guests? dual books? Okay, dual readings. Okay, reading. Yes, I was reading two books, and both of these books, mm. both of these books, honey, referenced Kelly Clarkson's hit "What Doesn't Kill You <laughs> Makes You Stronger." Ah! Oh, my okay, because you know I was gagged when I was reading. Earth Hates Me yes. today by our guest, Ruby Carp. And this book is in stores on October 3rd. You can pre-order now, honey. Yes. And also, I want to say Ruby is the host of We Hope You Have Fun. It's a stand-up storytelling show at The Beast every month. It's the second Monday of every month. And the next one is in October 9th. Can't she wait. just had Janine Graffel on the show That's yesterday. amazing. Can you believe this show? <gasps> oh, my God. Unbelievable. She's pioneer. Pioneer. And, and she's 17 years old. She's a Jew. She's a... Junior or senior? No, ju- junior. Senior. 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 senior at LaGuardia. A rising senior. Rising senior. At LaGuardia High School. Yes. Come through. Yes, come, come on, through. come through. And she pointedly references Stronger, What Doesn't Kill You by Kelly Clarkson. And so does Hillary Clinton. And so does Hillary Clinton. Is, so you have this true. in common. You're two nasty women. And we're very excited to have Ruby, Ruby Carr. Carp. Hello. Hello. Oh my God! It's so thank you so much for coming here and being here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, Ruby, I I want to kick things off. I just just to get this out of the way. Is it annoying at this point when people keep like referencing your age? I mean, like you're only this old. Yes. Great. Okay. Fully. Thank God. Okay, so we will not. We'll, we'll talk about your life, obviously, and like where you are at this juncture. But like, I'm just Matt. Let's promise. Okay, sure. But like, also marvel. Enjoy people marveling at your young age yeah. while it yeah. ha- while it happens because also. <laughs> Like you will get to like you will get to this sick place where you'll hit twenty five, twenty six, and be like, "Oh my god, I'm in my mid to late twenties. What's yeah. happening?" Uh-huh. And then you'll be truly. And then I'll miss my youth. You'll yeah, miss youth. yeah, absolutely. So enjoy it while while it's here, Rube. But I think, but of course, I understand. Like, it's got to be annoying when people sort of coddle you into being like, "Oh, you're you're a baby," and just like write yeah. you off. Yeah. Well, it's also like, yeah, I'm young and I wrote a book, awesome. But it's also like. No, I wrote a book. Like, it's not about my age. Yes. It's about writing and being funny and all of those great things. Absolutely. Extolling a lot of wisdom in the book. And a lot of really very cool people have read this book and given amazing, like, just qu- glowing po- reviews. Pull po- quotes on it. Po- got quotes. Amy Poehler on the, on the cover of the book. Queen Amy. You got Sashir. Sashir. You got Miss Natasha Leone. You got and you- Paul Sheer. The and other Sheer. The, the other Sheers. The, all the Sashirs. <laughs> the Sashir and Paul Sheer. And um, she's got a glazer in the four. In the four. Yeah, one. she did. Alana Glazer. Oh, come on. Come So through. did you get to hang out with her? Was it just like a. Well, email I know, back and I've forth? known Alana since I was pretty young, actually. I did Why? Broad City Live before Broad City was this big thing that it is now yeah. which is 
insane. They're so awesome. Yeah. yeah. So can you explain, like, how did you get involved in the comedy community so young? Like, well, how did this come about? Well, my mom started a magazine called Bust in uh-huh. the 90s. Okay. Yeah. This, this, it all makes okay. sense. That's yes. so cool. That's so fucking cool. Okay. Yeah, thank you. She'll be, my mom's coming to watch this soon. She forgot, uh, she made me a cream cheese bagel and she forgot it at home, oh. so she went home to get it. And I miss my mother. Yes. <laughs> I miss um, my mother. But, yeah, my mom started <laughs> Bust and so she, in like the 90s, was partying with like Amy and Matt yes. and all of them before they were famous and like Tina and like all of them before they were big Great. deals. So, because they're all like relatively the same age. Uh-huh. So, my mom and them would, were all just like genuine friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then she was around when they first started UCB. Right. And that was also right around the same time she got pregnant with me. Uh-huh. And she had me and we would always be at the theater just because my, we were like supporting our friends and yes. stuff. But then when my dad left and moved back to Australia when I was three, my mom had nowhere to go with me because, mm-hmm. like, she was a working woman, yeah. alone, single. I don't have any siblings. So it was just, like, my mom and I. So my mom would always bring me to UCB and, like, throw me on stage with all of them while she would go cry in the green room. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yeah, so I was, like, three, and I they would, like, pull me on stage and just, like, swing me around and were like, look, a child. And they would, like, do improv with me. I wasn't, like, conscious of anything, but sure. that was happening. And then slowly I just got, like, really accustomed to constantly being surrounded by adults. Right. Oh, my God. That What a, what an origin story. Yeah, so right you there. were just really thrust into that atmosphere. No, yeah, so I literally, like, grew up just being comfortable on stage and doing improv and literally just constantly being surrounded by comedy. Oh, my God. And your scene partners were these, like, legends. Legends, legends yeah, yeah, which I to- so did not know at the time. Yeah. The first time I did ASCAT, well, I did Amy's uh, Sparkles to the Party yes. when I was seven. Uh-huh. And then right after that, because I guess I was like a finally formed human being, uh-huh. she was like, you're ready to do ASCAT. Wow! So when you I was- You did the monologues at ASCAT. Yeah, yeah, yeah monologues, yes. monologues. Yeah. <laughs> no, not improv yet. <laughs> um, but when I was eight, I did mon- uh, monologues at ASCAT for the first time. Wild. And, you know, at the time I was like, oh yeah, this is just me telling stories like with my friends. But now I'll meet people like in my improv classes or at different job kind of things and they'll be like- you know, I think I saw you do wow. monologues when you were like ten. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." No, I mean, come. I mean, that is like the most precocious of precocious things is to like be on display, is to like like open yourself up like that and to all these strangers. I mean, no, I mean, like, yeah, of course it feels embarrassing, but that's like, I mean, that's so cool though, Ruby. Like, that's Thank you. that's awesome. That's really cool. No, yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, it was never like a big deal to me because I was just like, these are this yeah. is just what I've grown up doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then I got my own show and I started doing that when I was like eleven. But then it got to a point when I was like fourteen, fifteen, where yeah. I was like, oh. This is like a profession that people do. Right, right, right. Like people pursue comedy because for so long I was like, I'm going to be a rock star or I'm going to be an actress. (laughs) And like then I slowly started realizing like, oh, I don't want to do those things. I actually just want to do writing and comedy. Right. Awesome. Uh, So then I actually started like really developing comedy and really actually trying to like work towards building a set, building an essay of book things. Yes. 
And then here we are. And here we are. So did oh. you go out and mic? Like, and how does that work as like a 14, 15 year old? Yeah, like, I can't get into any clubs. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Still even to this day. Yeah, like no, no, to this day, yeah. I've only, do, I honestly have not performed at that many clubs in the city. Mm-hmm. Mostly just UCB, The Pit. I did The Slipper Room and I did oh, like one other place. And really that's it because uh-huh. I can't get in anywhere else. That's wild. That's got to be crazy. That's got to be crazy. But you're all you're also like that's like the Beyonce narrative. Like she's, you know, she's walking on stage in heels at 14 and, and like, let this episode be called the Beyonce narrative. <laughs> Thank you. Any Ruby comparison Carp. to Beyonce, I will take. Can I take tell it. you my favorite story about Destiny's Child and like them getting whipped into shape by Matthew Knowles, which oh, maybe yeah. this is like a crazy story, but I don't know if you guys knew this, but he would take them out on like 5-mile runs. Oh my god. And he would have them sing what? in harmony the whole time. Oh my god. And he would drive in the car next to them. This is true. Yeah. And he'd be listening to the harmonies to make sure that they were tight. I don't but know. so that so that when they were dancing and performing on stage it was like nothing to them. It was yeah. like nothing to them. Yeah. Right, because it, they that's I guess how they truly learned how to control their breath. Which to be honest with you is that's not so it's a smart. way to do it. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Because sure. that's really what it is. Is just and now you see and you see Beyonce perform at the Super Bowl and you're like, how the hell would she be the machine that she is? It's because yeah. <laughs> she was literally getting run either into it. either your dad makes you run five miles and harmonize <laughs> with your with your friends or your mother thrusts you onto the stage at UCB with all yeah. of these. And there we, go. there we <laughs> go. There we go. Beyonce narrative. Oh my so God. so like is in your comedy in the comedy that you do. That's got to be. Do you talk about stuff in school? Do you talk about like stuff that you're go- you're going through, or do you ever yeah. feel like a pressure to talk about like bigger things that maybe other comics are talking about? Like, talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, my thing is, from a very young age, it was very clear that on stage there were lines that I, as a young person, couldn't cross. Right. Like when I was like fourteen, I, and I started like being interested in like boys and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I and I would like tell a story or two. It would make the audience so uncomfortable. I wouldn't even, I was 14, I wasn't like doing anything like weird, but I would just like talk about like, oh yeah, I have a crush on a boy and this is what happened. And the audience would feel really weird because they'd be like, "Mm, I don't want to see a young girl talk about boys and like getting bras and stuff. Like, because it may, well, because for a bunch of adults to watch a child on stage, they feel weird. Like they're about watching that. something that they they're 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 getting Intruding. in on yeah, something that exactly. They be, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So especially when I got like older, like 16, 17, it was very clear. Like, oh, I can't really talk about hookups mm-hmm. or things that happen that you know all teenagers and everyone went through when they were my age. But for some reason, I've found that it makes people uncomfortable to like have me explicitly say all those things. Mm-hmm. So I discovered that pretty young. Yeah. So I, my mom and I came up with this thing that we call Ellen DeGeneres humor, uh-huh. which <laughs> is we can't curse. Yep. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about sex or mm-hmm. any, I'm not that, it, meh, but like we don't sure, talk no, about yeah, sexual totally. things. Right, yeah. right, right. And we keep it clean, no potty jokes or anything like that. Right. Because for me, it's like, I want my comedy to rely purely on the fact that I'm funny, not based on me cursing or me talking about something inappropriate. I want my comedy to purely be me being funny about things. Yeah. And that's going to pay huge dividends as you get older and as you do free up that space. Because, I mean, you're, you know, you are setting these limitations on yourself for very good reason. And I'm not saying that in in a bad, you're setting these restrictions 
in order to develop something very specific. And I mean, that's that's all you need. Well, sometimes it's actually kind of a good idea to develop inside this box because yeah. because it actually you you place rules on on yourself without thinking about the rules that everyone else will place totally. on you. It's like, I, no, I developed actually my own way. I've heard about a lot of people who actually toured doing like Christian comedy. Oh. And then when they come of age and they get old enough, they break they out of it, yeah. that and they they feel the freedom and they feel the individuality to talk about whatever. Yep. And because they had so much training, like playing to a specific audience or mm -hmm. like doing whatever, I don't know. It just it for some reason just kind of sets them free in a way. It's that base layer. So, yeah. So Ruby, you should tour tour some Christians. Oh, <laughs> totally. My yeah. my bat mitzvah rabbi would love. Yes. That. Absolutely. Yes. Of course. Talk about your bat mitzvah. Um. Wait. What was your Torah passage? Um. Oh, it was Jonah and the whale. Oh, that's a good mm -hmm. one. I know it was a good one. I did it based on the Veggie Tales movie. Oh yes. How do you know about this? I mean. Oh right. My okay. So just this is a this is a quick story. My mm -hmm. sister who's twenty nine. Um, just had her adult bat mitzvah. Oh, she, that's a thing. She, made, she that's a thing. Well, she she threw it. She just wanted the party, and she wanted. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. exactly so my twelve-year-old self did that for the exact reason. Exactly. What right? was your theme? Yeah. Oh, I was it musical theater. Um, I didn't have a theme, but if I could, it would have been musical theater. <laughs> Great, good, and I'm actually really glad that you didn't have a theme because my <laughs> sister didn't really have a theme for hers. Themes either. are a little a little weird sometimes. They get a little weird. They get a little weird, and you're. I feel like you're going to look back and it's always going to be embarrassing. I wanted to wear a pantsuit. That is a thing I wanted That's to do, cool. but I didn't end up doing it. That's okay. And this was what, five years ago? 2012? I was 12, I think. Yeah. 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 Let's see. And you know what? That's awesome. And I'm glad that feels very contemporary for you not to have a theme. Um, my sister did not either, but she, um, yeah, she just wanted the party and it was mm -hmm. so fun. Yeah. It was great. Well, she and married a Jewish man. She married a Jewish man. Yeah. She wanted to convert. She, um, she was. A, does it mean anything to you? I'm just. Oh my god, no. I'm. I'm being so. I'm being that person. Um. Does it mean anything to you when I when I say that she she's such a Charlotte? No. Oh my god, I'm the worst. You don't. Of all time. Don't. Don't worry. Don't worry. About it. She's. Re he's referencing Sex, sex in the, the City. And it's, oh, I love Sex in okay, the City. Great. Okay. I thought that was like a Jewish term. <laughs> no, 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 I was like, no, no, what's no. a Charlotte? Like a like a Torah thing? No. Yeah. She's um. Yeah. She's a, she's a Charlotte. Like she oh, converted oh, to Judaism. Oh, I completely understand. Okay. Great. Great. And I'm so sorry that I had to ask, and I feel like such a fucking. Oh gross. no. No, you weren't. No, it's because totally honestly, okay. there's people there's our people age who that don't, are like, haven't seen Sex in the sure. City. People our age who don't who don't understand. That honestly was before our time as well. It was a little bit. I mean, that was literally the first show where women all sat, and that was like one of the first shows passing the Bechdel test. There you go. Already even trying. Yeah. 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 Totally, That's, totally. And so, like, I, and that was a rerun show for us. Well, here's the thing, Ruby. We were told that you know everything. I mean, like, you that you have a pretty. Oh my god, that's you, a lot of pressure. Not we everything. We were told you know everything. <laughs> we were told that you have a very broad scope of popular culture. Yes. Would you say that's true? Okay, good. I would say that's true, partly because I like to spend my free time in my room watching Netflix series. Great. So I just feel like I am cultured because I just like have seen mostly everything. And your mother is this prolific magazine editor, founder, you know. Yes. And, and so you are you are passed down this sort of pop culture. Yeah. Well, I also just like I've always had an interest in what's happening in society. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that really comes through in the book. Yeah. Well, because, you know, a lot of... The reason I really wanted to write this and agreed to writing it was because there are so many people talking about teenagers and writing about teenagers and being like, generation whatever we are, yeah. like all these things about us, but like no one knows anything about us really uh -huh, because uh -huh. no one's living through it. Right, right. Right. We're really 
one of the first generations to truly live through Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook yeah. in its like ultimate prime. Right, right, right where right. it's all encompassing. Where every single one of those apps is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like I didn't want to be that person who was like, I understand teenagers. I'm with you guys. Uh-huh. I literally truthfully wanted to just be like, no, these are my experiences. Here's some humor and like here's some advice. Right. So you're saying that you wrote this book with um, this this sort of point of view of it not being tied necessarily to like this very esoteric like mysterious part of teen culture that is like app heavy. You just wanted yeah. to write something like. Well, the other thing is like people don't seem to understand that like yeah we have social media yeah there's all these new things but at the same time like we're still teenagers totally and you all were teenagers once and really yeah there's social media. But it all comes down to the same five things everyone else was freaking about when they were teenagers, yeah. which is parties, parties. whoever they like, mm-hmm. school, their family, mm-hmm. and then whatever their extracurriculars are and getting into college. Totally. Like, truly, other than that, there's not that much yeah. that we See, care about. When I was reading the book today, I was thinking to myself while I was reading it, you know, there's not too much in here that's very different from what we yeah. went through, I think. I mean just to run through some of the topics. I mean, yes, there is like, and there is like a new lens on it. Of course. But you know, it's about social media bullying. There's a lot about it. You know, she has a large um, section about just unrequited love and like going through that. So I guess like my question for you, but then there's also topics which we didn't even talk about as, as teens, which is, you know, embracing feminism. Oh my God. You know, and, and I think this is amazing for, for people not only your age to have your voice say to them, but also it's cool for people our age and older to hear that this generation is talking about these kinds of things yeah. and and also it's having it's those it's dialogues. So my question to you is, who do you want to read? The, who's the audience for this book? Who do you hope will read the book? And, and what do you want them to get from it? I feel like I want a variety of different people to read this book. Mm-hmm. I feel like the most, one of... Obviously, the ideal person to read this book is a teenager who feels like they have no one else to talk to. Mm. Because a lot of what being a teenager is, is no matter how many people love you, no matter how great your life is, you still have moments where you're like, wow, I have no one. Mm -hmm. Even if you have the most loving family, even if you have the best friend in the world, it doesn't matter mm. what whatever you're feeling is so extreme in the moment but everyone tells you that you can't feel those feelings mm-hmm. all adults will just be like you're hormonal things are just happening you're uh. just none of this is going to matter in 10 years but the thing is it matters now oh yeah and right. obviously and i say this in the first chapter of the book none of my problems are real problems i am totally privileged like y- none of these things are real issues but they feel really real to me, and I'm going to talk about them. Oh, my God. I mean, and that never, I mean, not to, like, sound too ominous, but that never goes away. That always stays with you. And, like, those those problems will, like, ripple out into your life in the future that has implications on um, future work that you're going to put out. Mm-hmm. Like, on every, just, no. I mean, yeah, I, I totally well, agree with you. when you're growing up, in those four years in high school, that is the most you're going to grow as a person in your entire life. Mm-hmm. You are going through the most changes in the, in those four years than you will ever that fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you grow up and, yeah, things happen, but 
the way you are raised and the person you become because of those years literally affects the rest of your life. And people don't realize that because people are just so obsessed with statistics and what's happening with teens and what's cool. But no one's taking time to be like, here is the actual emotions and what's really happening in the mind of a teenager. And I think that's why I hope that people that are age and older read it too. Because it's an actual account from someone that's your rage. And to be honest with you, I was thinking to myself uh, earlier today, I was like, when's the last time I talked to a 17-year-old? Yeah. You know what and I mean? really like, talk to them, not just like a, so how school? Like, yeah. really yeah. had an actual conversation because people don't think that teenagers have minds because they're just like, oh, young people. Yeah. But like, no, like, all of my friends can have good conversations with people above the age of 18. Yeah. Right, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, now, yeah. that being said, well, before we got on the air, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, this year, you're, you're, we, talk, we were talking about Hillary's book. We were yeah. talking about, you know, politics in general in some roundabout way. We were talking about how this year you're going to be taking the AP U.S. government and history mm-hmm. Or U.S. history, yeah. or is it government? Is it government? It's uh, U.S. government. Well, U.S. history was last year. This year, it's U.S. government. So yeah, right. They're t- uh, AP Gov. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, I also took this class, and I took it in 2007. So this was um, Obama. Uh, I, when Obama was rising, mm-hmm. you know, this was when it was either going to be Hillary or Obama, and you know, obviously, we were faced with McCain, and I actually, Sarah Palin didn't become a thing. Until college, uh, until college, but it was. I, I remember thinking to myself, I wonder what my AP Gov class would say about this because I actually went to school with people who would have defended someone like Sarah Palin. Now this brings me to this question: So you're in these classes right now where you have these kinds of opinions from everyone about politics. Now I, from my perspective, looking back, I sometimes think to myself, like, wow, how insane that a group of 17-year-olds were asked their political opinions. However, I think what I'm actually saying to myself is, wow, how insane that a group of 17-year-olds were so conservative. Because I went to school on Long Island. So, like, what's it like like where, you know, you'd think it was progressive, but it's actually rather conservative. Yeah. So what's it like right now? What's the political climate right now? In that class. (laughs) In in your your AP Gov class. Well, the thing is about... I, I've, I'm growing up in New York, exactly. which is the most liberal place yep. you could possibly go to school. And then you're going to LaGuardia, which is just Which is even specific. more yeah. liberal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, LaGuardia is a performing arts high school. Right. So everyone at the school has dyed hair. Everyone's very culturally aware, very politically correct. Mm-hmm. Like, you will get attacked if you say the wrong thing yes. ever. Okay. Yeah. Now, with that being said... In these AP Gov classes, it is rare that there will ever be someone who is not a Democrat or yeah. doesn't have very liberal Democratic views. Right. Hmm. But what happens in these classes is someone will say something in the wrong way, something that has clearly good intentions, yep. comes out, is weird, is worded wrong. Right, right. They get attacked. Uh-huh. Like, people go off on them. I had a girl in my class today talk about how we can't attack Trump supporters because then we're stooping to their level and that their people, even though they like have believe what they believe. And, you know, I like understood what she was saying. I I mean like I kind of agree in in a way, 
but there were some people in my class who were like, oh, so you support racists? Do you support racism? Like, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, let's take a step back. Mm -hmm. Let's breathe a little bit. Talk about something else. Yep. But that's – it's either – it's so funny because teenagers now are almost too politically correct. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. we're so socially aware to the point where it's like – People don't even, it doesn't even seem like people want to be politically correct anymore for the sake of actually being politically correct. People just seem to really The righteousness, want, yeah, they people, get off on it. Yeah, people like want to be like, no, I know more about feminism than you do. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're losing touch of actual activism. Yeah. Because activism, and if you're actually not a racist, and if you're actually a feminist, you want you just want equality. You want people to just have good morals and be good people, which a lot of people aren't, which is their thing. But people get to a point where they just, they start attacking each other. Mm -hmm. And really, if we want activism, if we want to make a change, we need to talk to each other and have a conversation and be open-minded and be allowed to listen to each other's opinions and take them in and have... An, a calm, civilized conversation. Mm-hmm. But now we're all so self-righteous and so entitled to our opinions that no one can seem to be able to take in what anyone else is saying. Totally. I mean, it's so interesting that you say this. And because I was talking to this good friend over the weekend, we were taking a walk in the park, and he is this sort of, uh, I'm not, I won't say his name, um, but he is, he is this pretty, like, you know, uh, a uh, prolific sort of presence and like some would even call him a social justice warrior not even pejoratively but just like that's part of his like um on know, social media on social yes. media and he's just he's just well known uh in, in that regard and he was and he even realized and the reason I'm not saying his name because I feel like maybe this is like a sort of a semi semi controversial thing to say but he was just like I feel like everyone is just losing their minds even on our side like he was just at this um, pride event uh, in this in this small town, and then there was just a group of like there was a group of sort of like activists who were there who like went up to him and questioned him, and they were like, and it was just like a normal pride event talk, like talking about like being a person of color who's queer, and this group of people go up to him and they're like, and they're just and what he notices is that they're they're, they're trying to find their words, mm-hmm. and they're these young people who are just like struggling to be like to just figure out what to say to him to be like um so how do they were like how do you stay in your lane you know like how do you how do you stay woke but stay like you know and they were just sort of like pulling these these borrowed terms or these passed down terms and it's like and i think what this person realized was oh everyone is a little bit confused and a little bit frenzied because we're all figuring this out as we go like everyone across all age groups across all like you know political backgrounds whatever um they're losing how to express themselves yeah because i think we're still figuring out how to and i think that that applies to everybody there's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of bubbly bubbly burst refreshing bubbles colorful bottles and playful smiles galore bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible and with no added sugar and low calories there's a lot to smile about 
Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, everybody. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs classic clogs and sandals have both covered. And when we're talking about style, we mean personal style. There's just so many colors and so many gibbets charms. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood and to match your personality and to fit the occasion. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than the Crocs clogs and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Hey, Las Culturistas listeners, we're here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com, then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for the birthdays of loved ones in my life. And sometimes I do get super stressed trying to find that perfect thing. Me too. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found a custom chalk bag for the adventurer in my life who's into rock climbing. Not me. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So... Whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner in your life or a birthday present for the pickleballer in your life, Gift Mode has you covered. I'm not the pickleballer. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get Titanic, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. And what more could you ask for? Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Titanic is NYC's funniest night out. Plus, it's the winner of multiple awards, including the Las Culturistas Kimberly Akimbo Award for Best Indoor Live Performance. Titanic is a parody musical that answers the question of what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night aboard the Titanic. My life was improved by seeing Titanic, so much so that I reached out to my best friend, Bowen Yang, to improve his life. And Bowen, did it succeed? It succeeded so much that I went four more times. So set sail with this kooky, crazy off-Broadway hit this season. Plus, if you get tickets six weeks in advance, you get 30% off. And that's on Titanic math, girlfriend. But seriously, who can wait that long? Go see it tomorrow. What are you waiting for? Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Well, also, so much of like what I talk about in the book and so much of what's going to help my generation really make progress mm -hmm. in activism mm -hmm. is having a voice and using that voice to your advantage. But if people are afraid to use their voices because they're afraid of getting attacked or being called aggressive yep. or any of these things, 
people aren't going to speak up because they're afraid because they don't they're afraid they're going to be wrong or be politically incorrect but the thing is if you're politically incorrect let's have a conversation about it let's mm-hmm. talk about yeah. it we can let's work it let's work through it together but instead everyone has just converted to this fear factor because everyone's so afraid of saying the wrong thing when really we should say the wrong thing get corrected and then work our views out oh absolutely yeah i mean i it seems to be a problem that you know the right wing doesn't have because it seems like they are able to just march in like someone who's like really happy really proud to like put a confederate flag on their house can, and and who doesn't maybe understand what that means will just proudly walk next to a member of the literal KKK in the streets, and it seems like nothing goes through their heads. And nothing on no one, no one else on their side is going to be like, "Hey, that's actually hey, a problem." Yeah, yeah, they're not going to call yeah. each other. They're not having these discussions. They just mobilize and go. And it's I think a reason why they, for better or worse, seem to get things done. Whereas on our side, it feels like you know, still to this day, I mean, with what Hillary says in her book about Bernie. And the way that the Bernie people are responding to her even now, mm-hmm. and the 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 jumping down on Kamala Harris before mm-hmm. she can even be a candidate, it feels yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's it's a huge reason why we can't get things done is because it seems like it's stopping conversation from happening. Totally. And the other thing is like everything I'm saying is directed towards people who like have the kind of views I have. Like mm. obviously. Uh, uh, it w- it's a very different conversation if we're talking about someone who is actually a racist or oh, yeah. actually a misogynistic person. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm saying is I know a lot of people who really want to be politically correct, but they just don't have the information or the resources to understand what that means or what feminism really means totally. or what it means to be a racist or not be a racist. Mm-hmm. So everything I'm saying is directed towards the people who actively want to be politically correct and be people who have views that are progressive the people who don't have those views that's another conversation because those are people who have been raised that way Mm -hmm. they they've been raised that way the way i've been raised to be a feminist and you can't change me if if someone came up to me and calmly started to speak to me about being an being anti-feminism being racist I would obviously be like, absolutely not, you psychopath. (laughs) But in terms of making progress on the liberal side of America, Mm -hmm. we can't make pro. We will only make progress if we do it together. And if we're splitting each other up because some people are more liberal than others, that's not progress. No. That is actually going backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 sort of fragmented. Now I do have another question about your AP Gov class. Y'all know you have a test to take at the end of the year, right? Sadly. So here's the deal. When they put that test in front of us at the end of the year in 2007, I looked down at that test. We hadn't talked about any of it. Come on. that Well, that's a We thought. hadn't talked about any that's of it. That's on your teacher. 100%. But we had had so many conversations about whether it was going to be Barack or Hillary and, like, whether or not, like... Whether or not we should be pro-choice, like, like literally, oh my he said. God. My teacher got us up one day and was like, "Okay, everyone who's pro-choice, get on that side." That of the is gun. a horrible and idea. Everyone That's who's terrible. pro-life, get on this side of the room. And if you're undecided, stay in the middle. He did this about issues, and then I that was just like, "That is maybe uh, the worst thing a teacher could possibly." Well, he do. was not good. Um, 
And oftentimes, like, and it's I I responded to one thing in your book. You were talking about how you had this teacher. This is in the book, and this is so fucked up. Okay, wait. so so Ruby has this. Uh, actually, you know, do we have to take a break? Um, no. Let, wait, let, let's talk. About let me this. let me say this tidbit, and then we'll take a short break. So, a teacher of about thirty years old, you said, um, was speaking with you, and then recommended to you that you not be too feminist because yes. it comes off as unattractive. Yes. Oh! A teacher! Yes, 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 this happened. She also called me a dumb blonde for two years. Just so you all know, I'm a brunette. <laughs> but but uh, Ruby was 11. Yeah, oh I was a child. And, and the thing is am. like, the thing is like, these teachers are everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I had them in my high school on Long Island. Like, you had them in your, like, middle New school. York. Yeah. New York City middle school. New like, York City, most progressive middle school you could possibly go to. Uh, don't be too much of one of those feminists because it could be unattractive or aggressive. Yeah, I was taking a woman's suffrage class at the time, and she pulled me over, and she was like, yeah, because that was, like, the social studies course that I was taking. And she taught and that she, class? No, no, no. Oh, she okay, was, okay. like, she was one of my, like, teachers that sure. was one of the teachers at my school. Right. And I was like... Yeah, I'm really excited because I'm taking this awesome women's suffrage class. And she pulls me over and she's like, just so you know, you know, men really don't find feminists attractive. You're going to don't become one of those aggressive feminists, you know. And I was like, what? Let me tell you, I had a teacher one time in high school. um, And we were, we just got to say this. And so listen. We were talking about Ann Coulter, who's <laughs> literally the garbage of the of the earth. So she had said something about how like all all the Jews in the world need to convert mm-hmm. to Christianity, yeah, yeah, like yeah. like you know her whole mo, sure, like she just sure. was going on about that. And I was talking about how sick that was. And my teacher, at the end of class, pulled me aside and he said to me, "The thing is." Um, Everyone does need to convert to, to Christianity because then there oh won't be God. any more cancer in the world and what? any more sickness. And I was looking in his eyes and I was like, "Oh, you're like a religious like oh that you know that's freak. like against the law, right?" Yeah, I <laughs> mean, it was fully against <laughs> the law. Except I didn't know how to handle it at the time. Like I kind of was just like, uh, 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 "Okay," and I left the room and I think I ran down the hall. I was just like, "That was so." scary freaking scary that's shocking and this you know what i mean if there's any comeuppance here both of your both of those teachers are being put on blast now and ruby <laughs> right. your teacher is being put on blast in your fucking book yeah so there you go oh my god and we'll talk more about the book <laughs> and we'll talk more to ruby carp who i'm so loving this conversation i love this convo and we will talk more right after this short brief abbreviated break okay and we're back with ruby carp now ruby we want to talk to you we want to ask you the question we ask all of our guests and we're doing this in act two which is great um which is ruby what is the culture that made you say culture is for me this is the the culture that made you decide to step in a cultural direction you said to yourself wow i love media i love film music television the stage uh, cultural life. What have you? What have you? Hmm. It's a weird question. But it's great. For me, it was definitely being raised by a single mom. Mm. Great. I love that. Because the thing is, when you are when you're an old, when you are Rory, Rory and Lorelai Gilmore, yeah. you are you are living a very different life than basically everyone else. Yeah. Because the thing is, I grew up always being encouraged to 
talk about my feelings and tell my mom everything that was happening in my life and tell her every all the drama that was happening and everyone that was being mean to me. So from a very young age, I just... I was open to talking and mm. I was open to discussion and wanted to have conversations with people and really learn about them because my mom would do this thing where when I was little, even though I would be talking about nothing, my mom would just ask me about my day and let me just talk mm -hmm. for as long as I wanted so that from a really young age, she was always encouraging me to express what I was thinking. That's such a great answer. And that is so Gilmore Girls. And because and you're, you're saying that that made everything else fall into place for you. Like yeah. your love of movies, um, you know, comedy, everything else. Yeah. yeah. Self-expression in general, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Sometimes huge. I think maybe because there are two parents, when I'm asked how my day was, it's like, well, it's a different story for each one I of you. So I'm not going to say it at all. <laughs> yeah, well, because especially when I was younger, it was like, it was no matter what was happening, it was my mom and I against the world. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. my mom was my best friend. Now it's like my roommate. Like, yeah. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> she's still my mom. We fight all the time. But now it's like we're sisters. Like, we know each other so well to the point where it's like there's no question of whether or not I'm telling her about my day. She just knows everything. Yeah. And not – and the thing is I tell her everything in that she trusts me to have no curfew, to come home when I want because she knows where I am because mm -hmm. I'm telling her what's happening. Yeah. Okay. So – the relationship we have is based in trust. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you're say. very honest with her. And I'm very honest with her. Because the thing is, like, I'm not a bad kid. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing I really need to hide from her. Yeah. And all of the things that I'm doing are teenage things. I go out with my friends. I have fun nights. I go to the movies with people. You write books. I write books. <laughs> like, all teenage things. And my mom also, I like, you know, I, I work pretty hard and yeah. stuff. So my mom lets me be rewarded with not being very lenient about curfew and coming home and stuff like that and really having that sense of independence having my own room really being my own person has made me who I am because without that sense of independence and really learning what it means to be alone but still have a lot of love in my life has really just shaped me as a person. That's beautiful. Gotta love it. Oh. So you're, you told me you're studying drama at LaGuardia. Yeah. But acting is not necessarily like... The route. The, the yeah. thing. Well, for me, I just kind of... I feel like in terms of breakout star, like yeah, goals right. and stuff, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speak for the future because, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I really, I love writing, yeah. and I also love television and really studying what people react to and what works, and I feel like if I'm going to act and be on TV, it's going to be my story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or what I, like, my character that I'm writing for me. And that's yeah. the direction everything's going in anyway. So you're, 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 you're all set. What are you liking on TV now? What shows are you liking? Well, I, I don't really watch that much live television. Right. I really watch a lot of Netflix. Yes. So what are you binge? What are you, what are you catching up Okay, on? so right now I'm in the middle of Handmaid's Tale. It is crazy yes, pan. it is crazy. It is. I am so, oh my God, <laughs> so much is happening. We're also discussing it in my film class right now in school. Oh my oh, God, which, I which wish. Which is so awesome. It's so, so awesome, cool. right? I wish I had done that. It's I so I always fun. ached for that when I was in high school, like yeah. to have a class where we could, I mean, in my AP Lit class one time, my AP Lit teacher like exposed us to Stephen Sondheim. We started talking about Sweeney Todd. 
And then I went That's to go see the movie, and I was I wanted I couldn't wait to come back to class to talk about it. Yeah. But I to have a whole class about stuff like oh that. Oh my god, it's it's so great because we just have conversations about all this stuff. Uh-huh. It's so fun. Uh-huh. But I, uh, you know, I've been binging Parks and Rec for like the second time, The Office great. for like the fourth time. Mm. Uh, you know, Secret Guilty Pleasure, Gossip Girl, Gilmore sure. Girls, all those. Yes. Uh, weirdly, I like go in and out of Grey's Anatomy. Sometimes it like it, it's You're talking too much. to Grey's yeah. Queens yeah. right here. Yeah. Well, uh, back when it was good. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, tr- I'm trying How I Met Your Mother. I just, I'm trying everything that's on Netflix. Basically. So you really are like trying to like broaden your scope. I was, it's like I was saying yeah. earlier, like, you really are trying to like get this good media diet of stuff that's come. That's that's not necessarily of your time, and I'm not saying I'm just saying that that's that it's like yeah, like it was on like when you were certain. It's like when we watched like but Cheers, it, it nailed the but the Grey's Anatomy when we were. 16, 17, absolutely nailed me to the wall. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's because that was season two and three. Yeah. Well, Back the, when it was. Well, that's yeah. that's essentially like, because for me, it's all about finding my voice in terms of writing because mm-hmm. yeah. my voice in terms of stand-up comedy is very self-deprecating. Yeah. Like my humor is, my, th- my view on humor is why offend anyone else when you can just offend yourself? Great. Mm-hmm. Because everyone, especially now, everything's a trigger for people and everything brings things up for people so why make fun of other people when you can just make fun of yourself when there's no risk of like you know when there's no risk of and also it's just fun Mm -hmm. it's so it's so fun to just like laugh at yourself and tell funny stories of things that happen to you Mm -hmm. but in terms of television my I love my favorite movies are like Francis Ha and Manhattan Uh and Moonrise Kingdom and movies like that and I really want to one day find the median between Francis Ha and Parks and Recreation. Oh, great. That's pretty specific. That's a really cool. good zone. Oh, that, I mean, like, yeah, because that's, like, a crazy median. That's, like, yeah. where do you find that one? <laughs> I mean, tough. I love, like, I've been watching Girls because I think the way it's done, directed, written, everything about it is so exactly what I hope to be one day. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's it's, great. And Girls I, is a game changer. Oh, yeah, and because the thing is, there are so few, and that's why I love Master of None. There are so few people making comedy shows mm-hmm. that are based in truth mm-hmm. and based in real things that the way real people actually are. Yes, and like, yeah, there's this thing of like comedy auteurs now on TV, and um, and I feel I feel like girls. I don't think it paved the way for um the show, but in a sense, oh, you know what I'm talking about, Insecure. Insecure. I was gonna suggest it to you. Have you started okay. watching Insecure? No, what's that? It's a show with with Issa Rae. It's based on her web series called Awkward Black Girl. It's essentially like, I, I don't want to like dumb it down this way, but it's essentially it's girls in LA. Girls in LA, like it's like an all black cast. It's really really great. It feels it feels like. It, like what would you describe? I, almost like the second season feels a little bit like Sex in the City. Yeah, a little bit. Like it's, there's just a lot of like love triangles. It's really fun to watch. It's um, it's just it's yeah. It's one of those. I'm shows. a big lover of rom coms. It's you'll love. I think you'll really like the show. It's also a really and I don't know how much of this you've experienced in high school and stuff, but it's a really good examination on what it means to be faithful and what happens when someone cheats. Yeah. Yeah. And the psychology of that. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really good. And I actually w- tried to watch it a year ago, and I kind of didn't give it a chance because I, I just didn't buy it. For, I, tonally, I wasn't on board. But I gave it a shot an, again like two or three days ago, mm-hmm. and I love it. And I've and all of this weekend I was binging through Atlanta. And that yeah. is another show oh, yeah. I think it might be sort of 
the closest thing that's in that liminal space between Francis Ha and um, Parks and Rec. You said, yeah, where it's like it's 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 oh it's interesting. Funny. It's funny. It's absurd, but it's also like so so textured and real in that way. I think you would love Atlanta. It's like there's some like crazy fucking shit that yeah. happens in the show, and but I think I think you would love it. I think it's if you can handle Handmaid's Tale, you you can handle Atlanta. It's it's really really good, and I think I think it's like operating in that space that you kind mm. of want to go for. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, I, the new season of Master of None, mm. I loved because it tackled real-life problems, both socially, like, politically and stuff, yeah. but also just real moments. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. he was freaking out about one girl and then ran into his ex-girlfriend who he hadn't thought about in a while on the street yeah. because that's a thing that happens. Yeah. You just like you're freaking out about something, and then you run into someone who you totally don't expect to see, but ha- have thought about so much. Like those are oh that's God. such a real moment. Yeah. That's such a thing that happens, especially in New York. Ruby, has that happened to you a lot? <laughs> no, <my God>. no. <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like there kidding, are so many moments in the show that are so and like when he's freaking out about the girl, and then he starts writing a pros and cons list, and then he's like, wait. Mm no, I like her. Like, there's nothing I can do about that. Like, just, like, little things like that that it's, like, the show is so funny, Mm -hmm. but then there are so many moments where he just lets the show get real. Yeah. And I think that for so long, a sitcom was, like, a funny show where people make jokes and, like, Mm -hmm. sit around and drink coffee. Uh But, like, now we're finally realizing that comedy is about truth. Yeah. And comedy is based in reality. Yes. And without that base reality... There's no comedy because there's nothing to make fun of. So I think m- the fact that we're finally making shows that appreciate that and that like really bring that out is such a big deal. That's so cool that that that's res- that this stuff is resonating with you, uh, especially. At, and I'm sorry to bring up your age again, but at your age, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's like that. But that's very encouraging, and it, you know, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Like, Thank you. It's such a good time for everybody, but like especially for like people who are like going to be de- sort of you know not defined by this by this era, but like sort of it's going to texturize their Well, also, when you're 17 and when you're a teenager and young, you're feeling everything you're feeling for the first time. Mm. So everything you're feeling is so intense because we've never felt it before, (laughs) which is why your first love, your first heartbreak, your first everything Mm -hmm. resonates with you so much because you've never experienced it before. So your emotions are so heightened because you don't know how to deal with it. Totally. And you become so impressionable with what you consume media-wise because, for me, Grey's Anatomy was, like, the first show that, like, fucking blew my fucking mind. I was like, this is the best show I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was so crazy. And, like, now looking back, it's like, I have such nostalgia for it, but it's like, it's no, just No, no, a- no. I will say, the second season of it, the production value was way higher than what they give it now. Now it's fucking Meredith Grey standing in front of a green screen, and she's like, it's great to be in front of a waterfall. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like, <laughs> bullshit. They, they spend no money on it now because they know they don't have to. I know. Back in the day, it was like, Remember that? Remember that fairy disaster? Oh my God! Well, that was in front Who of a green forget? screen. Who could forget? Yes, definitely. But like, <laughs> that was like the last throws of no. them having like a budget. This fucking moment, the fucking Code Black episode where there's a Black. there's a literal fucking explosion in the hallway, and that was a real explosion. And I was like, Jesus! How about Christ. when two people got stuck on a pole and <laughs> yeah. one of them had to die? That was Do the like first episode I ever watched of Grey's Wild. Anatomy, and I was like, this show is. Amazing! Yeah. Oh, that and that, that girl that that girl should have won an Emmy too. She should have, but but didn't. Oh, um, oh <laughs> god! Wait, I have a question for you. Um, do you have a lot of gay friends in high school? 
It's LaGuardia. But, I mean, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. You would be surprised at how many kids are straight at a performing arts really? school. In the drama department. Oh, because wow. the Because you think they haven't come out yet or because you think they're legitimately straight? And no, it's okay. I, I you can tell us. I think they're legitimately... St- Here's yeah. the thing. I, I have a lot of gay friends because I went to performing arts camp. There you go. Which ah. is so different than performing arts high school because the thing is about performing arts high school is that a lot of these kids either aren't out yet uh-huh. or honestly, because the thing is, it's not that I don't talk to people or don't see people outside of my department, but it's really hard to have classes with people not in the same department as you. Yeah. So you don't really, really mingle that much outside right. of your department. And really in the drama department, especially in my grade, there's not that many kids who are out. Sure. Which is fine. It's which fine. is totally okay. Yeah. Performing arts camp though, uh-huh. the ratio of straight boys to straight girls yep. Actually, no. Ratio of straight boys to not straight boys is zero to one million. Ah, that's wild. Like, and that's got to be frustrating for someone who's oh, at camp. Oh, my you God. Know, you have to... no idea. Oh, you have <laughs> no idea. I think there were maybe, maybe two straight boys at camp who I don't even know if they're straight, <laughs> but they weren't even that attractive, and they got girls all summer because and they will continue to oh, if they yeah. keep putting themselves at performing arts camp. Rule number nineteen of culture: straight, straight boys, you want, want some? some? Go to performing, performing arts camp. camp. Sorry. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um but that's see. I ask you that because I feel like. If I'm in high school and yeah. Ruby's there, I go befriend Ruby. Oh yeah, thank you. That's how I feel. I feel like you'd be a great friend for a gay kid. I mean, you're just you're just an interesting female, and honestly, like, I mean, that, I mean, not not that not saying that that's all it takes, but it's like that you gravitate towards that. No, but I feel like also there's a lot of people in high school that are like. They're super smart and dynamic, but they're that's also closeted. You know what I mean? Like that's another thing oh, that sure. thing stays that's... inside when you're closeted about your sexuality is you also don't say how you feel and don't say what you think. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to talk to you and hear all, all of this because I think about myself at, at that age and I think, wow, I was well, you were not even in. close to being ready to be myself and say the things I thought. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. the thing that's hard about high school is that people make their friends and then they don't really feel the need to go outside of those friends that they've made. For sure. Yeah. Like, I I really didn't find my group of friends until, like, last year. And even then, I don't really have a specific group. I kind of just have friends that I like who I hang out with. Yeah. And, like, they're all, they all hang out with different people. The problem with conversation is... I don't say these things in class. The impression impression people (laughs) at school have of me is I raise my hand all the time because I always have something to say Uh about whatever book we're reading or whatever U.S. government topic we're talking about. So people at my school are like, oh, yeah, that girl, the one who... that girl. The the one, the teacher's pet. When really, like, I could care less about what a teacher thinks of me. I want to, like, have a conversation and, like, discuss Handmaid's Tale and, like, really talk about Trump. But the thing is... Everyone's so focused on seeming cool and not seeming like they're too aggressive that when people get very passionate about their points, everyone's like, oh, yeah, this guy again. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Making friends in high school, it's not that it's hard. It's just difficult to make new friends 
outside of friends you haven't had for a while. Oh, yeah. Especially when, you know, you feel like everyone has decided who everyone is already. Exactly. What I... What I... Well, you you'll go to college. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, where, yeah. Where, where are you? Where do you want to go? What are you I'm thinking? only applying to six schools. I'm applying mm-hmm. early action, which just means I'm applying early. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right. it's not early um, yeah. yeah, it's not early decision. I'm applying early to Emerson for comedy. Oh, great! Because cool. they have a comedy major, which is awesome. It's got they've got, oh, got, got good alums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and there, it's in Boston. I can continue comedy and stuff. Right. That'd be awesome. But I'm applying to Yale, Wesleyan, Columbia, Columbia College, Chicago, Northwestern, USC. And Emerson, and that's Those it. And not bad. NYU. Not, and not NYU. Don't worry. <laughs> don't, um, we went to NYU. Um, and Columbia College. Just but don't. <laughs> I grew up at. I grew up in the city, and I don't have the I money. Know. No, go, <laughs> go, go to Emerson. Go somewhere else. Go. Okay, let's Boston. pray I get in, guys. Yeah. You will be fine. Wait, okay, so, okay, okay, say those schools again, because those are all pretty good comedy, comedy schools. College, Columbia, I know that. Well, Yale, yeah, I, I want to be. I want to be a com. Yeah. I, I want to be a comic. So, like, yeah. I'm applying. The thing is, there's no comedy major at schools other than Emerson and Columbia right. College Chicago. So, if I go to school, hey, everyone, learn about my college future <laughs> life. Uh, so I think I'm gonna major in film if I uh, for those schools that I don't major in. Comedy. So, when did you go to Emerson and see it and everything already? Yeah, yeah, yeah I toured. So, nice. so you toured, and when you toured, what did they say the comedy curriculum is like? Like, who teaches there? Like, what is yeah, that? Yeah, it's um, it's a sketch writing curriculum. Cool. So, oh, ba- so not cool. like not the whole thing, but basically, you have a class in improv, you have a class on history of comedy, you have a class on writers' room. They basically teach wow, you everything you need to know and help you craft a portfolio mm. to go into the real world and just pursue comedy. There you go. Huge. That's huge. huge. So basically, I went to school for writing at NYU, and you had to fight to get into classes that were like that. And I went to school for it at NYU <laughs> and literally majored with a concentration in television writing at NYU Tisch yeah. Dramatic Writing, and I didn't even ever get to take a late, late night writing course yeah. because it was competitive to get into and I was in the department yeah. and it was alphabetical the way they decided who got oh, that's the classes that's and my so name dumb. started with R. Uh, so yeah, by all means, ugh, you should totally go well, yeah, there. The, a lot of people have been telling me mixed things about majoring in something like comedy because the thing is, I mean, you can't learn comedy. You're either, you are, you have to either be, you have to learn it. Yeah. Obviously. But you, comedy isn't a thing that you can take a class in. You have to learn it through doing it. You, because you form your stand-up act by trying it out on people. Exactly. But at the same time, you have to master your craft. Mm-hmm. And you have, you're gaining so much practical yeah, knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And like you need to build a portfolio. You need to learn how to be in an ensemble. You need to learn how to not think you're the best person in the room. Oh like there are a lot of things that you need to learn. A lot of people have been like, no, major in something else. You'll get material for your comedy. But I don't think it's about that. I think it's about really learning the format of writing and sketch writing and all of the different kinds of yes. improv and teams and all of the different things that go into it to really go out into the world and be a formed like understanding comedian there is an academic and classical training knowledge to it there yeah. is a hundred no, history you, of comedy people yeah. who take who are take theater bfas they have to take history of acting they have to learn all of that comedy is the same thing just more concentrated yeah. It just feels frivolous, and you're like, oh, you don't have to do that. And you're like, oh, comedy, okay. Right. But it's actually cute. What? There's going to be a lot of comics listening to this wishing that they could have gone to or could still go to Emerson. I mean, we have some Emerson alums who have been on the show. That were comedy majors? 
I don't know if Sunita comedy major comedy. is like literally a new thing. Really it, new. it literally yeah. started like a year or two ago. It's yeah, huge. that's but it's still so cool. Like, can you imagine going to one class and it's like sketch writing and another no, class yeah. and it's like I have improv. friends who are freshmen there and literally they were like, oh yeah, or eight a.m. tomorrow is called like why did the chicken cross cross the road and it's literally a joke writing oh, class. Whatever. That's so f- and I was like, huge. oh my god. And so I would I, I I can't put a price tag on a fucking professor telling me or an adjunct whatever just being like. Yeah, um, learn to be humble, you asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like, if someone had told me that, like, I don't know, just, like, way ahead of time, I, like, what huge, huge Also, deal. someone being like, you don't need a spec script of Parks and Rec. <laughs> what you need is a writing sample yeah, 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 yeah. of your own shit. Yeah. Which yeah. we were still writing fucking 30 Rocks. I mean, when, when we I were graduated. in college, yeah, it was, like, all about the specs, all about the specs <sighs> for an existing show, and, like, it's totally They don't look now. at that anymore. It's, yeah. it's wild, yeah. Well, it's also, it's not even about, because you can't, you can't teach someone how to write. That's no, a natural no. thing. You have to do it. You yeah. have to do it, yeah. but you have to learn about who's done it before to find your own voice. Yes. Yeah. Because Huge. you, that's the thing. I used to want to go to college for writing, but the thing is, I don't think anyone can teach you how to write. It's just about learning the formats mm-hmm. and then finding who you are yeah. through that. But God, oh my God, that sounds so like weird no that's like all of the reviews of my book have been like great book cliche person and i've been like you know oh what? my god oh well because is that what they say yeah well all of the reviews have been like 3.5 or 4 out of 5 stars okay because they've been like sometimes the book gets a little cliche and i'm like yeah it's an inspiring book what do you expect <laughs> and i it's was an inspiring six, book. and i was 16 when i wrote it yeah. so it's not cliche at all you fucking jag <laughs> that's what i would have said oh my god i'm that's stupid Ruby. so you've decided to read the reviews oh here's the thing <laughs> I am a people pleaser. I literally uh-huh. have a heart attack when people are mad at me or don't like me, sure, which sure. is awesome because I want to go into the entertainment <laughs> industry, yeah, yeah. which is maybe the worst place to be for someone like me. But that's okay. It's awesome. That's how we all are. I'm a very, very, very sensitive person. Yes, like yes. I will hold on to grudges. I will remember everything. I have like done a lot of cool things in my life. I only remember the times that I've messed them up. Of course. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? this is just something that you will also learn that maybe they'll fucking teach you in college is that <laughs> like just that that is something that you just steal yourself against like like I would say I'm the same way as you Ruby in, in that in that basic way maybe and Matt is too but like we've had to learn like don't read the comments like yeah it doesn't I learned that the hard way when I was literally 13 I mean because I wrote I wrote an article for Mashable when I was 13 about how teens aren't using Facebook anymore uh-huh. and I literally like kind of got death threats and I, it was oh, like it was I can't even awful and I would read all the comments because like no one told me not to <laughs> and then Tavi Gevinson I was like <gasps> I, I was interviewing her we, we used to both like be in the Hello Giggles world so like we uh-huh. know each other and I was talking to her on like a panel once and she was like you can't do that yeah. she was like she was like it will kill you and the thing is like I read the reviews because I want to know what my friends are seeing when they look up the book. That's a thing. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, like, I don't really care about the reviews, but I care about my friends being like, oh, yeah, the book's not even that good. Because <laughs> that, totally. that sounds awful and, like, I shouldn't think that. But, like, <laughs> I do because I'm still in high school. Like, it's not yeah. like I wrote the book and now I'm off. Like, it's like, no, I'm still in school every day. I have to go home right now and do my AP government homework. Like, I yeah. have, like, I'm still a student and, like, people follow me on Instagram and I'll go to parties and I'll see people and they'll be like, hey, you're publishing a book, right? And I'll be like, oh, my God, let's die now. Yeah. yeah. 
And well, that won't go away either. You're always going to want to be in the know. You're never going to want people to like know things about you that you don't. You know what yeah, I mean? That's is, what it exactly. is. Exactly. And the thing is like reviews hurt a lot because it's like, you know, I'll read them and I'll be like, do you understand that I spent a year of my life like putting everything I had yeah. and like all of my personal stories? Because if you read the book, like it's very personal. Mm-hmm. It's about the common teenager. But I... I said to myself before I started writing the book, there is no way I can write a book about all teenagers no and not talk about my personal self-experiences. Because I say this in the first chapter. You do. I'm so sorry. I, I'm i not a girl who likes girls. I'm not a boy who likes boys or a boy who likes girls. I can only tell you what I've been through. Yes. And I can only tell you my personal experiences. Mm-hmm. So I use what I've gone through to just help people get through what they're going through. I can't know what it's like to live in a household where there's five people in it. Mm -hmm. I've grown up with just my mom. The family chapter was the hardest chapter I had to write Mm -hmm. because I had no idea how to relate to people who didn't have relationships with their parents, but also people who had dads who were present, people who had siblings. I had no idea what to do. And then the way I figured it out was just like, talk about me. Talk yeah. about what I've been through and, and be how honest, I got through yeah. it. And be honest with that. And then on the flip side of that, it's like just like how you feel like, well, there's no way I can speak to all of these different experiences. Like, I mean, there there is some onus on the reader to be to just be open minded and accept your experience as something that they should hear about because mm-hmm. they should. And so, like, yeah, I God, I yeah, we fully hear you. And like, I think it's super cool. And I I encourage. So cool. I've been, I've read quite a bit of it today. <laughs> Um, I really encourage everyone that's listening to pre-order the book, um, Earth Hates Me. What does the title mean to you? Earth Hates Me? So originally the book was titled Bratty, Uh which is my mom's nickname for me Uh uh, growing (laughs) up. But then in one of my chapters, I write... And I and in in the heartbreak chapter, I was like, sometimes I wake up and I feel like the earth hates me because everyone hates me, like mm-hmm. me going on some stupid rant. And then <laughs> the woman who is the co- book cover designer was reading through the book to get a sense of the book so that she could figure out what the de- design was going to be. Uh-huh. And she was like, "Hey, I know you like the title you came up with, but what do you think of?" earth hates me Uh it was a line in one of your chapters and i really think it's funny yeah and i was like oh my god that is so my book it's self-deprecating which is exactly Mm. my humor and basically is the whole book and also it's exactly what every teenager feels like oh yeah but it's so funny and specific to that sentiment at that age and i think i think it's a fantastic title well you you should all pre-order the book earth hates me it is in stores on october 3rd earth hates me true confessions from a teenage girl it is super great and i think it's really really cool to like you said hear a perspective from someone that is your age on this stuff and it's nice to check in and understand that like you know, they're having the discussions, too, about what it means to be, what the word cisgendered means. Right. You know what I mean? Like, these things aren't just exclusive to, and I think in the millennial generation, we get kind of wrapped up in ourselves. These aren't conversations that we're only having. It's a worldwide discussion, and yeah. it's super exciting, and the book is awesome. Um, let's move on to I Don't Think So Honey. Okay. Okay. So, Ruby, I explained this to you a little bit. So this is I Don't Think So Honey. This is our segment uh, where we take one minute to rail against culture. We've done a live show with this. We'll have to have you on the next one. Yes. Cool. We'll make sure it's a venue we can get you into. Ooh. That's some shade. 
That's not, that's not good. No, we, no, we will be accommodating. That, we'll be we like, she's 28. <laughs> and that's that. Um, You're giving us a look like, God, these people. <laughs> but um, um, yes, we will get you in the, in the next live oh, show. Oh, thank you. Yes. God. <laughs> so basically, it's called I Don't Think So Honey. We take I'll one minute. I'll get a fake minute. ID. Get, get a fake ID. ID. Just for that. Do you have one? Don't ask. Don't. can't say. The silence is deafening. Ooh. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, we take one minute to rail against something in culture. I loved, um, I loved the, what idea you had before. I don't know, maybe it's changed. But we're gonna go one by one. Bo and Yang, would you like to start? I don't have one ready. Do you? I guess I could do one. Okay. All right. Let me okay. let me let me get the timer for you. Um, here we go. Oh man. What? what sure, what's I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna okay, do it. Okay, do it. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be on theme for this episode. So we're just gonna repeat. I don't think so, honey. As many times as possible, as we as okay. we eviscerate this topic. This Beautiful. is Matt Rogers' I don't think so, honey. Time starts now. I don't think so, honey. Almost all of the teachers from my high school. I'm putting you all on blast, Mr. Brown. You only wanted to be our friend. <gasps> oh I'm sorry, AP Gov, Mr. Brown. You had a test to prepare us for, and you just reveled in uh, watching everyone tear each other apart. And you know what? You were the tennis coach and you did nothing. I don't think so, honey, Mr. Brown. I don't think so, honey, Mr. Riley, my tech teacher, who engaged in a Facebook comment fight right oh before God. the election oh and post God. the election with my friends. And then you got into a huge seconds. fight and you were, are not on the right side. I don't think so, honey, Mr. Riley. And also, I believed in you and you abandoned me senior year when I needed you as my track coach. Oh, my God. And I had a <laughs> shitty track coach my senior year. I don't think so, honey, you, Mr. Riley. I don't think so, honey, Mr. Rosado, who was seconds. my tr- cross-country coach in high school. You tried to use me for political reasons that I can't remember, but I remember that it wasn't good. I don't think so, honey. Um, Five seconds. Uh, this one, Miss, the woman who ran the education department and English department who took the job away from my AP Lit teacher because she didn't show enough movies. And Fuck you, she was amazing. One minute. <laughs> that is. That I is don't think so, honey. I sub high school teachers. These- Power plays oh my God. in high school. You have no oh idea. God, they use power plays. <laughs> These teachers use abuse their power. Oh. Yes, they do. And also, it's like House of Cards. Yes. Mm-hmm. They try to machinate and manipulate. Ooh. Is machinate a word or is sure, it machinate? Sure, sure. Oh, boy, who cares? Whatever it means to you. Oh, uh, well, it means to me that they're trying to double cross. Uh. Because I remember that we had like a student... Uh, bo- student uh, union president that was yeah. one of the teachers in- teachers in the school and then to gain his favor like p- teachers would do shady things and I was like this is not about the students no. and when you're a senior and you come of age you know that's true you do you do okay I think I think I think we're sticking to a theme here okay are you going for it I'm going for it, but I yeah, I'm gonna stick. To, I'm gonna focus on one. Okay, here we go. Okay, Bo and Yang. I don't think so, honey. Time starts now. I don't think so, honey. Doctor Peggy Lane, who insisted oh. on her calling on on us, her students, calling her Doctor Lane because yeah, cool. She had her PhD in English literature, whatever the fuck. But she kept lording it over us and making and and you know what here's what she did she, talk about power place she <laughs> politicized the entire class because here here's what she did she would always every class say Maria Zaleski she's superior guys you got to follow her example she's, 30 seconds she's writing these really cogent arguments about Steinbeck or 
fucking who knows what. And she made us feel bad. She shamed us in class for not reading the books, which maybe she should have shamed us for anyway. Who who knows? Seconds. But I don't think so, honey. <laughs> Dr. Lane, she talked like a fucking cartoon mouse. And she was <laughs> she was ridiculous. And I just, everyone hated her. And she intimidated all of her students. Dr. Lane, five seconds. That is not the nurturing environment that you should be fostering in your schools. In a public school, I don't think so, honey, Dr. Lane. That's one minute, but when yeah. Oh, my God. I have a lot of pent-up resentment for her. And you I, do. I wish her well, but she she was ultimately a benevolent force. But also, <laughs> the way she went about things was pit her students against each other, and I don't like that. You, I don't think so, honeyed a woman who had a doctorate and only wanted the respect that she was owed. And you <laughs> but was she should live respect? in shame. Was she owed that? Because my mom, my mom fucking, she has her doctorate and she doesn't insist. My Same goes for my dad. I it, call her Dr. Yang. I call her on the phone every but night. But she wouldn't <laughs> care if you didn't. And that's my point. Some people demand respect when it's not necessarily totally earned, is it? Earn the spec. There you go. Earn, Earn the, the spec. spec. That's rule number 108 of, of culture. culture. Earn, Earn the, the spec. Coined by one Ruby Carp. Thank you, Ruby. And I want to throw one more teacher under the bus. <laughs> Mr. Holdsworth, you used to make the quote-unquote cute girls sit in the princess chair in no. the front of our God. social studies room. You would, what? Yeah, whenever a girl was so acting. So many things are illegal at that school. Yeah, you, you would make them sit in the princess chair. Oh. And then our... Principal Dr. Eileen Rossman, Dr. Rossman, <laughs> Dr. Rossman. came to came to our came to our Class. classroom one day and said that I had to stop. And you know what? It did. It should have happened to begin. And with. it did stop. And teachers of the world, if you are isolating female students and putting them in a chair in front of the room, mm, and sorry, calling it the princess chair. I don't uh, think so, honey. Thank you. Now it seems like Ruby's ready to go. Okay. This is I don't think so, honey. Ruby Carp. Time starts now. I don't think so, honey. College application oh, process. Yes. Excuse me, the SAT. Thank you for defining my intelligence based off of a singular test. Uh, what happens? My uh, test is seven hours long because I have anxiety, uh, so I get seven hours of the SAT. Excuse me, no uh, calculator section? Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm defining who I am based off of my math grades? Oh, uh, based off of a 650-word essay about who I am uh, when you don't even know me? But yeah, please define my intelligence, Harvard. Uh, yeah, have you seen the movie The Hunting Ground? You suck, Harvard. Uh, Anyways, uh, also, how, how are you supposed to define how I am as a writer based off of how I analyze an SAT essay? Seconds. Are you kidding me? Uh, Authors who have written SAT articles have tried to take the SAT about their articles and failed. The SAT is corrupt and as well as the college process. There you go. Oh, oh boy. That is one minute. I think now they'll stop doing it. Ooh. They'll stop administering it now, Ruth. We're setting yeah, this right. Because of me. Because, because of, of my I don't think so, honey. <laughs> All it takes is one voice to take down the college board. They, let me tell you something. That is just a money-making machine. They All they care about is money. That's all it is. Yes, it's a money-making yep. machine. And the thing is, I like I consider myself a pretty intelligent person. Yes. But the thing is, because everything now in education is memorization and test-taking, yep. it's not education. It's just no. memorization. And then pe colleges are seeing my scores and my grades, which is like a 90 average and like a 1,300, which to Yale is not enough. Ugh. And the thing is, it's like, you know what? What if during high school I published a book, I did a comedy show, but you know what? That that's not enough for those schools because my grades and my scores don't define that. Do you take no. the ACT? SAT. 
But take the ACT. That's my. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. You because couldn't? Specific schools. I, um, okay, well, that, but also, I have anxiety, so I need extra time on tests or I will fail. Uh-huh. And the ACT denied me extra time. Oh, oh, because they didn't believe I actually had anxiety. Oh, my God. A week before the test, they revoked my extra time because they were like, you're lying about having anxiety. What? And Wait, I was what? like, what? Hey, ACT, um, we here at Las Culturistas believe women. And when they say they have anxiety issues around testing, would then you, you believe Would you like me them. to have a panic attack in front of you? Yeah, like, like, I don't know what to take? tell you. I brought a note from my therapist. Yeah, like, I don't understand what it would take. No, I don't know. Oh, my God. That's bullshit. But I, I say I recommend it because it, it's, it's actual test based on comprehensive knowledge and not just like the fucking witchcraft and wizardry of the SAT which is a game yeah a week I was I studied for the ACT all year a week before the test they sent me a letter that was sorry you're not you can't have extra time and I I literally can't take the test without it or I like legitimately would fail oh my god that sucks let me tell you something I got a perfect score on the ACT what oh my god because it's a bullshit exam and you're not missing anything and if I could get a perfect score on that you got a 36 you got a 36 oh my god look I got a 31 I thought I was a champion that's really good but look here, here's the thing, Ruby. All the stuff about you publishing a book, about you performing, about you doing all these amazing, incredible things, that goes in the personal statement, and you're fine. Thank you. I so think you'll be fine. You'll I be also, fine. I hope that Emerson, you get into, you'd be a fool. Emerson, you'd be a fool. If you don't take Ruby Carp, I don't think so, honey. Don't even think about trying to come on Las Coltrinas, <laughs> Emerson College. Oh, the entire faculty of Emerson. And they're all, they're all, they've all been emailing. <laughs> um, okay, so this has been so fun. You guys... The second Monday of every month, haul your ass over to UCB East Mm. and you check out um, We Hope You Have Fun, which is the stand-up show hosted by Ruby, and pre-order Earth Hates Me Now, which is in stores on October 3rd. Ruby, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you so much for having me. We are huge fans, um, and we hope we've made other fans out of our listeners. And um, My name is Bowen Yang. My name is Smith Black. Smith Black. That's Ruby Carp. Yeah. That is that Rogers. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com. Dog. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new bubbly bursts. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort 
and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets terms. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get Titanic, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Some say Titanic is the best gay nightclub in the city, and those people are me. And me. So set sail with this cookie crazy off-Broadway hit and get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.